Thanks for listening to the Gateway Live podcast, a collection of recent sermons, teaching, and inspirational content brought to you by Gateway Church of Upstate New York. Visit our website at gatewaylive.org for more information. Now, here's today's message. Let me deliver this word to you. I, I um, uh, was able to teach uh, this Tuesday, and I don't know if it gets on a podcast, how soon it gets there, um, if it's there now. Yeah. Um, but Tuesday night's Bible study is worth going to listen to. Uh, it was on the book of Jude, and um, uh, some just that is such an incredible epistle. It's 25 verses long, but it is so pungent and, and packed with information. You could take a month to read it and, and just decipher all that Jude goes into. But um, And through that, uh, one thing that we talked about was praying in the Holy Spirit, um, and that, that encouragement uh, of praying in the Spirit. And, and I know there may be some of you that don't understand what that is, but we posted something on our members page. About, and and I, I don't know where you stand. I'm going to tell you where I stand and what I, not just where I stand, what I know to be true. Okay? It's not, I don't believe it's a But speaking in tongues is not just a valid biblical experience. It's something that I believe all believers These signs shall follow them that believe. They will speak in new tongues. And there's confusion about the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. But this, um, uh, what's his name? Bevere explains it so incredibly that I'm not even going to try. I just listen to that. That prayer language is for, how many of you have ever prayed in the Spirit? If you don't know what that is, I'm going to tell you what it is. It is praying in other tongues. And, well, I've never done that. Well, quit freaking out and do it. Okay? Because you can. Oh, I don't know how. Well, it's, listen to that. All right, I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Actually, I got way more to say. But, but you ought to, you know, don't be ashamed of speaking in tongues. I don't want to offend anybody. We live in a world around us that don't care whether they offend you or not. Why should we be afraid of spiritual life? And again, I don't do it. That doesn't... Anyway. You've never spoken tongues? You know what? Do it. We had one guy praying for, i got to talk about the speaking in tongues stuff. Ned says, do it first, then we'll talk about it. Then there was no talking about it afterwards. (laughs) Because it happened. Why would God... Okay, one more thing. Why would God... If it personally edifies, that's what 1 Corinthians 14 says. It's for my personal edification. Why would God give that to me and not you? Think about that. All right, I'm done with that. One more thing. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 1 says it like this. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were sensible. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take enough olive oil. They didn't take olive oil with them, but the sensible ones took oil in their flask with their lamps. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole event here. 
But I'm, I'm going to tell you this, Matthew 28, this parable that we're talking about, and the next one about the talents, where they are in relationship to the time frame of Christ's ministry is absolutely important. Jesus speaks these parables just before he goes to Jerusalem to be crucified. It's one of the last teachings that he gives. It's as if he's got to say, I got one more thing to say. Listen, this, and again, everything in red, everything in the Gospels is very important. But the idea of these foolish virgins and and the event here in in Luke chapter 19 with the talents are, are pointed and they're something that I believe deserves our attention. I'm here to tell you what. There is a revelation that has come to me that I am not responsible for how much oil you have in your lamp. You have no idea how freeing that is. I have walked and in, in, in lived my life in the pastoral mindset of, oh, i got to somehow fill your lamp and fill your lamp and make sure your lamp is full and I put oil in it and you dump it out. It's like, what? Oh, no. I got to, you know, like we're always little children going around with a sippy cup. Some of you need a cover on your lamp because there's oil that's being distributed this morning and you dump it out by noon or 12.30. God wants you to fill your lamp. He wants it to be full. Not just, you know, not just the fact, and God love you, I love you. And don't, just because I'm yelling doesn't mean I don't care. But consumer Christianity is you come in to get enough for today. Consumer Christianity is I want enough oil so I feel good about myself. But I'm going to tell you what, God has a mission for us to be lights to this world. More than just get enough so that you can make sure that you are not eternally lost, but enough so that you can fulfill your divine purpose to what He called you to. Five of these uh, virgins, they were ready. They, were, they had their lamps full. I, I, I guarantee you their lamps were full and being used at the same time. You cannot just, it's not, you can. You can do whatever you want because God gives us a choice. But it's not meant to be that we just scrape by spiritually. I'm going to tell you, if you look at the promises of God and the goodness of God, it's always expressed in abundance, overflowing, rivers of living water. I mean, just it's always in abundance. If you're living in a place where you feel like you're living on the scraps of spiritual life, something's not right. And I'm telling you, it's not Him. Okay, you're thinking, some of you are trapped in religious traditions, some are trapped in a stronghold of offense, some are trapped in, 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 in unforgiveness, all of these different things that can prevent you from accessing the oil that God wants to not just fill you with, but drench you with. It's a desire. And so the freedom that I ex- am experiencing as I mature, <laughs> 
is that all I can do is put it out there, and and I, and I'm just one part of the the puzzle. I'm one part of what's going on. There's different ministries that go on here that if you don't avail yourself of, and 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 that personal relationship, that prayer closet experience that you ought all to have, that you connect with Him yourself. It just constantly keeps not just a full vessel, but a, a, a just a, a flowing vessel. Not that I just get oil for myself and I'm waiting, but man, there's just a, a, a transforming power of God that it, it's a flow. God wants to use us. But that freedom is I realize today that I cannot and I am not responsible for how much oil you have in your lamp. I do believe that I can be and we as a church can be responsible for hindering. But that's not here today. That I, I believe there are different uh, traditions and things that rob us. But that's not here today. What, here, what is here today, I'm here to tell you, is truth. Truth that is able to set you free. Truth that is able to connect you with the living God. When we declare the glory of God and the lordship of Jesus Christ and point you to him, you cannot lose if you go in that direction. You can't lose. So the idea of, of uh, you taking personal responsibility. for Do you realize they were all ten of them were chosen? Right? All ten of them were, were waiting for the bridegroom. These, we're not talking about five believers and five unbelievers. We got to get that through our mindset. We got to get that through our head. We're, we're thinking, well, the five foolish were, were unbelievers. No, they were believers. They were waiting. They had a knowledge that Jesus, I, this is talking about the coming Lord. How many believe Jesus is coming? And, and, and they're waiting for that. And when all of a sudden, bam, in an hour that you think not is what Jesus said, hey, here he is. It's like, ah, uh, oh, wait, I, I got I to straighten some things out first. I got to get ready. Uh, and then you're going to run and call, hey, hey, pastor, can you, uh, and I'm going to say, no. No, there, there's some things in our lives, when you're talking something so incredibly valuable. I realize we live in the the instant society, the drive-through, the you know, where everything comes so easy and quick and and when you go to Dave's hot chicken and have to wait an hour, it'll tick you off. If you haven't been there, it's good. But I had to wait an hour. And I didn't like it. No, but now they have an app for that. We'll be good. Okay. But anyway, there is no app for that in the kingdom. Okay, and there's no quick fix. And I realize deliverance and, and a change of life can happen in a moment in a prayer, but there is the act of filling your life with the goodness of God. Walking in all his fullness doesn't happen just because all of a sudden you, the light goes on. It is an, a series of choices in your life that you have to make. And you you can pretend all you want, and it's not going to fill your vessel. Okay, you can put on the show, 
of Christianity. You can come through the doors. And I don't know any pretenders here because love believes all things and it hopes all things. But just, just wild guess, there might be somebody pretending. And I'm going to tell you something that does not fill the lamp. You don't have to. If there is one place you don't have to, it's here. Come on, God, God, it wasn't until we were being real with, with, with God and one another that we began to be filled with His fullness. So, I'm encouraging you, I'm compelling you, I am begging you, figure out how not just to believe in Jesus, but to begin that oil, the, the representation of His Spirit, and to being filled with the Spirit of God in your life, how you walk in that consistently. And here, here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It says, For we walk by faith and not by sight, and we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether you are at home or away, we make our aim to be pleasing to Him. We make our aim to be pleasing to Him. Our life ought to be pleasing to Him. It ought to be the pursuit of our... Well, I believe in Him. I had one guy, I don't mind Jesus, I just don't want Him to affect my personal life. Like, well, you got a problem. I believe in him. Well, great. Good. The devils believe in him, too. Right? Believing in Jesus ought to make a change of behavior in our life. True or not true? Not, not being harsh, just the reality of that. So he says, he says you know, we make it our aim to be pleasing him. Listen to this, for we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ. Another tr uh, uh, translation says the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be uh, repaid for what he has done in his body, whether good or worthless. No, don't read that one to me. Read John 3.16, for God so loved the world. John 3.16 is true. Every bit of it's true. That he gave his only begotten sons, whoever believes. We're not going to perish. It's all about me, 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 me. We live in a me-driven society. And unfortunately around us is me-driven Christianity. Rather than him-driven. Listen, I'm not going to beat you. I'm not going to beat you all day. The, the idea, uh, uh, you, you coming in here, here's the deal. If you are dead in your trespasses and sin, if you are lifeless and if you are lost and you are feeling worthless, it is 100% about you. Christ died for you. Well, you were a sinner, he died for you. But there comes a responsibility once you're birthed into the kingdom of God. And, and yes, we all ooh and ah over, over the, the, the new Christians and how aren't you cute? But there's a time that maturity ought to take. 
that you're like, say, well, what, how much time is that? I'm not, I'm not here looking and judging any one of you. I'm just compelling you. Listen, you have a response, you have a responsibility. I loved seeing my great nephews last night. Oh man, what a cute, you know, messing around and all of that stuff. But but if that's where they stay all their life, then we are grieved. True or not true? There ought to be a maturity and a growth that have, and that ought to be in our lives. And we ought to not. I'm not saying we make demands, but God does. That you're mature. Why? Because there is a divine purpose that he called you. And we need to fulfill that. And he goes on, listen to this. So we almost appear before the tribunal or the judgment seat of, of Christ or tribunal of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he's done in his body, whether good or worthless. There's more to this than just making it. The life that you live the life that you live will be judged. Oh, no, no, Jesus took my judgment. Yes, he did. But do you realize in 1 Corinthians where it says, be careful, there's no other foundation that, that built than that which is laid. It's Jesus Christ. Then Paul says, be careful how you build on it. You can build with wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, precious stone. He said, but I promise you there's a fire coming into your life that's going to try what you've built it on. And some of your lives will be burnt. There's a foundation that remains. Thank God. But, but there, the, the expectation and the, the desire, and if you're here saying, well, I just want to be saved. Okay. I hope that works for you. I really do. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that jokingly. I do. But, but man, oh, man, I, to me, there's more to this than just slipping through the door. I've been birthed into the kingdom for a purpose. Yeah, but you're the preacher. You know what? I'm not going to be the preacher when I get there. I'm not going to have any title. I'm not going to have anything. I'm going to have uh, the, 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 my life exposed, my motives exposed. That's scary. And then, and then it'll all be judged just like you. And, and he goes on to say, uh, therefore... Because we know the what? Fear of the Lord. We seek to persuade people. Pastor, what are you doing? I'm seeking to persuade you. Right? I'm trying to persuade you. Well, no, don't make me uncomfortable. I, okay. You, you, you know, you, you, all your furs ruffled here. Well, turn the cat around. We'll go the other way. Smooth her right out. Right? You won't get ruffled. It's your direction. So I'm just trying to persuade you. And, and it said, why? Be, therefore, because we know the fear of the Lord, do you realize, and I've got, I've got a lot to say about this later on. Um, we have totally lost our fear of God. That awe, that respect, that honor, the, the we, we as a culture, and, and in Christianity, we totally lost our fear of Him. They're just, and it's not being afraid. It's that respect and honor that God deserves. That he literally knows. Get this, listen to this. If this don't cause you to fear him, he knows the thoughts and the intents of your heart. 
So you putting on a charade does not impress him. He knows that, like, what? You know what he thought? He knows the thoughts and intents of your heart, and he still loves you. And, and what he's wanting to do is for you to confess the thoughts and the intents. Now, this isn't just about obeying some rules. Let me put out a bunch of Christian rules, and we obey them, and then God's pleased. No. It's about the, the very essence of who we are. It's not about a law to live or rules to live by, but it, it, it's, a, it's the flow of our life because we think like he thinks. Our heart is in line with him. And we do that because we respect him in awe. We, we understand. Do you uh, say, well, no, we're not supposed to, we're living in the New Testament. We're, you know, we're not supposed to fear him. Listen to this. John, the beloved. When, when, when uh, Peter wanted to know what was going on, he asked John, going on, hey, John. Why? Because John was always there. When it was come time for the, the Last Supper and communion, it was, it was John leaning up against them. They were, I mean, they were tight. John the Beloved, right? So John the Beloved gets in the, right in the book of Revelation and he sees Jesus. And what's he do? He doesn't say, oh, friend, how are you? He fell down like a dead man. He said, oh, my goodness. Why? Because there was awe and reverence. We, we, I know he, we are, I am a friend of God, and I know that. But I am a friend of God that ought to have some awe and reverence of his being, who he is. The, we don't fear those that can kill the body, but we do fear those. Him. It was after the body's gone has absolute dominion over our eternal destiny. Man, he... he so anyway, so... How do we believe Jesus is in the place? I know he is. Two or three are gathered together. Moms and dad, listen to me. Just loving you, but I've watched it over the years. People come in there and let their children... Not that you... Let the kids play when they're little. I don't care. But there comes a point in time when we teach them the respect that there's something in the room that deserves honor, right? Watching teenagers play on cell phones and iPads, you might better not bring them. And I am dead serious because you're teaching them to be irreverent to something that is incredibly holy. You understand what I'm saying? You know, I, God, I'm not talking to you. Please don't think so. I love having coffee in the sanctuary. I do. And I'm not asking you to judge my brother or sister because I don't know who does it because I'm up here looking this way, right? I don't know. And I purposely do that because if I was in the back, I'd probably be ticked off. But if we're doing worship and you're worried about how much sugar you got in your coffee, you might be irreverent. Well, no, well, it's just a worship service. It's just a worship service? Come on, man. We are worshiping the living God. 
We are giving honor. Well, not important to me. Okay. How about if it was your favorite sports star up here and he was giving a speech? Would you be irreverent? How about if it was your favorite political figure or put you put on who it is that you reverence and you how about if it was Taylor Swift in the Euro whatever tour? Woo! You would be like, oh some of you. You follow me. But I am convinced that every time we get together, the presence of God is here. And what, what draws out the miraculous and the power of God, and I'll tell you what, is reverence. Is that honor to Him? You, you want Him to show up in your life? Then honor Him. Well, if I want Him to honor me. Good luck with that. He's already honored you. Dave said it. Man, he already came in the flesh. He already bore our sin. He already loved you when you were unlovable. Now it's time for you to turn toward him. That's not what I'm preaching today, but I just thought I'd put that out there. Look, uh, oh, God. All right, so... Same thing, just before he's going into Jerusalem, as they were listening to this, he went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of Luke 19. Sorry. He, he was near Jerusalem, and they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear right away. They thought it was like, bam, it's coming right now. Here comes Jesus into Jerusalem. He's going to wipe out the heathens. The Pharisees are going down. Woo! And they're back there. Yay! And he says, Therefore he said, A noble man traveled to a far country to receive for himself authority to be king. And then returned. He called ten slaves, gave them ten minus, and told them, Engage in business until I come back. That's what we are commissioned to do. We are to engage in business until he comes back. We are not to sit by and wait. Well, Jesus is coming. What's on Netflix? Oh, Jesus is coming. No, we're just going to kick back and wait because he's coming to rescue me. We are to engage in business. We're supposed to be about the master's business. Now, I'm going to tell you, what God's given to me and called me and gifted me to do is not the same as you. You're not to compare what I'm doing to what you're doing. But you're to do what God's called you to do. And, and, and so, anyway, that, that's the story of the towns. One guy said, hey, hey, I got ten. You know, the, he got one. He, got, he said, I gave you ten. And the Lord gives him responsibility. There is more to us than just getting into heaven. I'm going to tell you, wait till you see me when I'm over there. Wait. Well, oh, you must think you're something. I'm, man, I'm following him. I'm trying. That's my life. 
Hey, uh, wait till you see some of my brothers and sisters that you look at, that, that the world looks, well, they're not very important. Yeah, wait, we are well known. Yeah, just your life submitted to God. Well, I don't, is your calling the same as mine? It doesn't matter as long as you are about his purpose in your life. And what happened is the one guy, the one guy who had the one, uh, you know, talent, and he hid it, and he said, here, it's yours. And the Lord said, what are you doing? I didn't give that to you for you to hide it. I didn't do that. Just encourage you. One more thing. Maybe two. Oh, that's a long one. <laughs> Ephesians 3, 8 to 4, 3 says, For the grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of the Messiah, and to shed light for all uh, uh all about the administration of the mystery hidden from ages in God who, were crea- who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may be made known through the church. Not to the church. Obviously, it's got to go to the church before it can go through the church. That this is so God's multifaceted wisdom may be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. We're not talking our governor. We're not talking the Senate or the Congress. We're not talking our local officials. We're talking about rulers and authorities in the heavens. Think on that for a minute. Do you mean there's uh, rulers and authorities in the heavens? I don't know. That just said so. I haven't been there yet that I remember. But the idea, how many believe the word's true? So the multifaceted wisdom of God is shown through us to them. We're like, oh! Please, please help me, help me, help me. It's all about us being helped by angels and the ministering spirits. And in reality, we're supposed to be so filled with God's presence and purpose that, that God is using us and, and moving through us to declare things to them. Okay, was that Paul's doctrine? Dead in the book? Okay. Our responsibility a little more than maybe we've taken on? And, and so then it goes on to say this. Uh, this is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in the Messiah, Jesus our Lord in him. We have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you've received. That's my message. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. My goodness, that's a mouthful. The whole idea is we have a responsibility. We ha- I have a purpose individually that collectively results 
and the plan of God for our lives in this area. And it's more than just you coming here on a Sunday and clapping and singing or having coffee and donuts. And, and you know, it's about you fulfilling God's divine call. It's about you being filled with His Spirit, that, that, that lamp being full, that light continually shining in our lives. And as we do that together, I'm not here judging any one of you, anybody. I don't have the good sense to do that. I really don't because what God does in one life and the time frame it takes for you to mature, that's fine. But man, oh man, don't, you, those of you, I warn you, that live a selfish, self-centered life and you don't fear God. Think about this. One day we're all going to stand before Him. And, and the thing that I want to declare this morning is that we uh, have not just the right, but He's given us everything to walk worthy before Him. To do what He's called us to do. If you don't quite understand it, it may be that you're not yet spiritually alive. Because the flesh doesn't get this, but the Spirit does. So how, how do you get spiritually alive? Man, oh man, you just... Stand with me. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new messages are released. And remember to visit gatewaylive.org for more information.